What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John, this is episode 100. 100, man. That is absolutely amazing. When you told me today, like, this is going to be our 100th episode, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, already on 100. So I think you and I, we haven't done all 100. I've done some episodes pre and post where uh you know you were not on it but i mean at least 75 that we've done together something like that so kudos to you for sticking with it and hanging out what the hell are we celebrating for then (laughs) (laughs) and uh and being here man it's a big commitment like i think people understand because you know people know a lot of people who listen to our show also have dabbled in podcasts here and there but it's uh you know it's a commitment you know you and i we we know that it was previously on Wednesday was our day, but now Thursdays we know, okay, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock, we kind of got to have to be ready to go and, and have energy. And even though we're tired and you're waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning because you got two young kids. And so that, that I, I think, you know, just kudos to you for hanging in there. And, you know, I, we're not going to do like any anything special because, for one, uh, we may have an announcement or so in in the, in the very near future so we'll keep that kind of under wraps but uh but also I feel like you know last week was kind of our, our our big week where we did two episodes and you know we wanted to cover everything and I feel like we could probably do two or three episodes a week just with the the amount of content but we just don't have the time to do that but it, you know so last week was kind of a, a little bit of a celebratory week for us just to kind of dig in you know I, and this is this is me sort of maybe patting our us on the back but you know i listened to a lot of stuff and i thought we did just as good or better a job than the other stuff that was out there so i was very proud of those two episodes and hopefully we'll uh, we'll do a good job here tonight because there is still a ton of stuff to talk about it's crazy it's it's uh, it's unbelievable like every week it it's like we have there's nothing short to talk about right i mean there's no not a boring week there's always news happening every day Sometimes I feel like, man, we gotta hit this thing two to three times a week, because <laughs> because it's just like it all it just all comes together here on Thursdays, and now with the Wednesday Night War and and UFC's gearing up with the big show, and boxing has some big shows, big fights coming up. So it's it's a lot going on right now. I mean, you know, my dream is to do a daily show. To have every every day an hour every day that, that I mean it's when, coming it's coming when when we get there well, we 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 may have to uh, to be rich by then but uh, that that's my goal I think I think there's enough to cover in all three sports to do a daily show and uh, maybe one day uh, okay so first question is uh, in the words of Wale do you, are you ready for that smoke dude I know the real origins of that. <laughs> But I have to keep that under wraps. But it's my favorite song right now. We want to smoke. Is it? Can I get it on Spotify? Do you know? That's a good question. Please. I know. I know. Wale's coming out with a new album. I don't know if that's going to be on it. But it has to feature the Street Profits, though. <laughs> so that's that's the only way. I just won't listen without the Street Profits. <laughs> so um, here's here's kind of the layout of the show tonight. Uh, so we'll 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 talk about the Wednesday Night War. That we have to talk about. That we have to lead with. That it's week two. 
NXT on USA is uh, it was week four for them, but head to head it is week it was week two. We'll talk about the ratings. We'll talk about a bunch of stuff that I liked and didn't like, and I'm I'm actually interested in your thoughts too because we we haven't talked about it outside of of just doing this right now. We'll, well talk a lot of a- people don't know this. Like I like to go kind of silent and not talk to you about this stuff before we do shows. This is all like hearing our first thoughts, like what we like, what we don't like. So it's make I just think it makes it for a a, a much fun show, you know. And you don't want anyone to steal your stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll also talk about a little bit about Triple G against Sergei Dervichenko. Uh, I, I saw that fight. I don't think you saw it. But I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about it just to kind of like lay out the landscape of, of, of the situation. And then <clears throat> talk a little bit about uh, Israel Adesanya, the style bender. He had a big win this weekend. And I will ask you the question that everyone is sort of asking is, you know, is there a chance that he and John Jones strap it up together? We'll, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Then we'll get back to wrestling because I want to ask you about NWA Power. I want to ask you about that terrible Hell in the Cell show. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of preview the draft a little bit because there are some that the WWE did post the rules and, and some promotional stuff for it. And uh, also there's a Kane uh, Velasquez and Tyson Fury I think Tyson Fury is going to be part of this, but at least Kane is. Is there's a um, a WWE press, press conference tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, they they advertise Tyson Fury and, and so Kane he Blasquez. will be there. So and I think it's probably setting up a lot of stuff for Saudi Arabia. I know that tonight um, is the 2K like pre-release party or something for the WWE 2K game. Um, that's all happening in Vegas, and then uh, we'll do a little bit of stock up, stop da- stock down, and then we'll talk Raw 93. So, tons of stuff to get to. If we don't hurry up, it's going to be like a two-hour show, so let's get into it. Raw, I mean, uh, AEW versus NXT. Um, the ratings came out, and AEW was definitely down from week one. I think uh, that was. <clears throat> I expected it. I, I didn't expect them to be down as much. I think they were all the way down to 1.1 million viewers. I thought they were going to be closer to like 1.2, 1.25. So they were decently down for sure. And in their the the hot demo that you know 18 to 49 demo that that everyone cares about and what you sell ads off of, um, they were decidedly down again. Though they did double the NXT demo in that same or the NXT number in that same demo. Um, NXT number was down too. They are down four weeks in a row, though not down as much as AEW. Still not looking good when it comes to um, those demos that that people like. And look, you know, this is going to be the first question that I that I ask you: Why the hell are they still doing an overrun? It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. When I turn on NXT, instead of it being a clean 120 minutes, it's like 133 minutes. Why are they doing this overrun? I think they just want to capture that audience from AEW. They decide to come check back and see NXT, and then they get like they're right in the middle of a hot match, like they they got last last night with the the main event of Walter and Kushida. I mean, if you just flip the channel and say, oh, "I'm gonna see what NXT has up going on right now," and like, bam, right there, you're watching right in the heart of that match, which is a great match. You know, I think they, you know, they're hopefully maybe next week those fans would decide to start with a NXT first and then AEW second. Yeah, but I don't think that's happening. And I think it's, I think it's an outdated thing. And what it tells me, it's an admission that they know they're going to lose the quarter because if they were confident they were going to win the quarter, 
they wouldn't need the overrun. And they're losing the quarter. They're they're once that that main event segment happens, they drop fifty thousand and AEW adds sixty thousand or whatever whatever the numbers is have been for the last two weeks. And I just think it's an outdated thing that they really need to investigate because I think it, it's sort of short term thinking and, and and I'm sure it's exactly what you said, but for for the long term. I mean, four hours of wrestling is enough. And, and if you've decided like, okay, I'm going to do it and, and I'm, I'm going to watch all four, four hours and 15 minutes, especially when, you know, m- the main event should be your best match uh, in week one for or week three for NXT. It wasn't, it, it was actually the first match, but with Walter and Kushida, I should be looking forward to sitting through this match Instead of being just like, oh my god, by by the end of this thing, I'm like so tired that I need to go to bed. Like I think they're doing their audience a disservice by by doing this overrun. And if the if the ratings show what they're showing now, all they're doing is they're basically telling the telling the the, the ratings are showing right now that NXT is saying, look, we're gonna lose this quarter, so we have to extend. 10 minutes so that we can gain the people that we're losing back. That's exactly what that rating is saying um, to, you know, if, if you, if you are looking for definition. So I really hope that they, that they switch it. Um, and, and instead of using this, this uh, overrun to, to gain audience back, figure out how to not let the audience leave at, at, in that last segment and whatever you're doing, you know, you really need to hype that thing so that you're not losing the audience to AEW. I think I think it might even out like, later on because right now, like like this is AEW's second show, and I think there's still that curiosity of being the new company that you want to see what they're going to put on in their final main event or segment, so people want to tune in. And you know, that's why that's why I think I think maybe after a while they'll they'll cut off the overrun or and stuff like that if if they start evening out that that last quarter. Yeah, but it's only going to even out if they get really disciplined and go, look, we're not going to use this thing to uh, to make us feel better about this rating. We're going to actually go out and try to win that, that last quarter hour. Like, that's how they should be looking into this, not how do we gain audience back? Oh, we'll run, you know five to ten minutes after just so our numbers look better because if without it we're you know we're, we're actually looking worse and i <clears throat> i think that's part of it is just be disciplined figure out how to keep your audience and 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 you know hopefully they do for their sake because i that whenever i see the length of that show it just irritates me so much um Okay, so I have a, a few things about each show that I am uh, happy with and not happy with, and, and you can chime in as well uh, on things a, as we have this discussion. But <clears throat> first thing that came to me was watching the Young Bucks against Private Party, and I'm watching it w- with Big Dave Meltzer, and I go, I turn to him and I go, the Young Bucks better win this match. And he goes, well... <laughs> I think they really want to lose this match. Hopefully, Tony Khan has talked them out of losing this match. And I, I've seen the feedback. A lot of people are really happy that Private Party won this match. I was so mad because I feel like this is the overthinking of overthinking if their goals are still the same as they said in the beginning, which is that 
their tag team title is is a main event belt and they want the main event act to be able to main event a pay-per-view or main event a show where the tag team champions are just as valuable as the world champion. And with that mentality, your two best teams should be wrestling for this for this championship. And instead, the Young Bucks lose in a 1-8 matchup. And look, if you're going to do the 1-8 matchup, this is the U.S. beating the USSR in the Winter Olympics. This, this should be like a huge thing. This upset should be ridiculous. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone and, you know, this should be X-Pac beating Razor Ramon. And instead, it was like, oh, yeah, see? Anybody can win on any given day. It's like, no, like, that's not the story. The story is, is like, you have this huge upset. You know, JR just told me that the Young Bucks are the best tag team in wrestling. And then they go out and lose to the eighth seed. And then it's just like, see, anybody can win. Like, if this was the NCAA basketball tournament, the announcers would be going ridiculously nuts and explaining why this is such a big deal. So both, I'm upset at both of them. One that the Young Bucks lose because they they should be the top team heading into the, the finals of this tournament to make it meaningful. And B, if you're going to do the upset, do the upset. Come on, like this is this is should have been like you know a shocking win, and it was just treated as like oh cool, these guys won. Yeah. I mean, part of me, I I can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to build, uh, you know, private party up as as something from nothing, and I think they kind of see themselves in private party. Okay, but are they ready? No, definitely not. Definitely not ready. I mean, I would have stuck with the Young Bucks to even go to the finals. I'm not saying they had to win the championship on the first, be the first champions of the company, but I would definitely have them go far. Uh, I don't know who's going to win this thing now. I, I hope it's not Dark Order because I don't think they're over at all. But um, rooting for Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and I think a lot of fans are too. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I kind of dug it, but also I can see your point too. Like, yeah, maybe it's not time to do such a shocking upset in week two. I think you know down the line you you show you know private party. Having great matches, put on these great athletic matches, get get those AEW fans they like that style into them, into them, and finally, and finally, you know, a few months down the line or longer, they finally beat the top team in AEW. I think that would have a major impact. I think doing it week two is just, is like just a quick little shock factor, but it won't it won't hold as it would have if it was built up for a longer period of time. Okay, and here and here's something that is going to be. Um, I don't think this is going to be a popular thing for me to say, but I love the Bucks. If they are as good as I think they are, they could have got Private Party over just as much or even more by winning the match. Yeah, yeah, I'm a strong believer in that when I booked. I booked a lot of guys in position and you know they weren't going to win the match but I, I put them in a position to have a great match so in the end they still get over by losing the fantasy that like, these guys are just maybe a step or two away from being that top spot so i did that a lot i loved booking that story it's when you know like, like i talked about many times on this podcast i love booking the young athletes and building them up and 
and starting their journey and getting them over into main eventers. You know, I always, I always, I always love that challenge. And you know, I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have done the the feat here. It just wouldn't be me. I would like, I like a longer build, but you know, they're. They they shot it and I mean uh, that on that night though I mean with the crowd there they really bought that they really bought that that match and that finish you know I was I thought the match was I you know me that's not my style so like ten minutes in I'm already numb to like every move <laughs> I saw but you know I understand that for that audience that's what they love and and they gave them a great match I I think they can take that live audience for granted just a little bit I, I'm not saying do not play up to that live audience strength. That live audience right now, they are so in love with this product. Mm-hmm. You need to think about the TV audience a little bit more. Yep, yep. And that, and that's, the, I think that's the overall thing. Like <clears throat> Omega too. Like uh, you know, I, we we've we already talked about the Omega thing last week. But you know, they they they, they need str- they need strong baby faces. If you are looking at WWE and what they are lacking, and you are truly looking at the alternative, it's like. You know, and and Rio, uh, uh, Rio of, of all people, all, all of a sudden shows that man. You know, people will will follow a strong babyface because her. I forget the number, but Dave was telling me that her uh, teenage uh, female viewership was through the roof just off of that one match. Hmm. So the people, the people will sit there and cheer on a star that or someone that 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 they feel they they can get behind. Um, so you know, baby faces. I need to uh, <clears throat> need to step it up a little bit. But on the flip side, and 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 I'll tell you. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll talk about some NXT in, in a second. But I want to talk about the thing that I thought was the best thing on the show, which is Chris Jericho's promo. And it wasn't just what he said, the actual words that he used, but it was his overall plan. Because <clears throat> I'm gonna have a horse in my throat pretty much all day. But so so you'll have to, the people have to, to deal with it a, a little bit. I'll try to get rid of it by uh, drinking water too. But um, so I apologize for that. But uh, Jericho he had a plan, right? He's like, okay, I got this stable, and I'm the leader of the stable. I am over. I am the champ. The goal now is to get over some of these guys, and for this interview in particular. He tried to get over Sammy Guevara uh, more so than anybody has probably tried to get over Sammy Guevara, himself included, uh, in his entire career. Young kid, a little skinny at this point, but he's got a good physique. Jericho's calling him, the, you know, the sexy, sexy young guy, <laughs> uh, you know, for that, you know, for that young fan base. And because last week's rating was all about this breakthrough in young fans, I definitely understand. Like, okay, let's get these young guys over. And uh, and he really took a sh- he really took a shine to to Guevara, Jake Hager a little bit. I don't know if you caught this, but he started calling him Jake Hagar, like like his favorite Sammy Hagar. Yep, caught it right away. <laughs> and uh, and then you know that you know we'll see we'll see about the other two guys, Ortiz and Santana. I'm I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I would have those guys, you know, standing out there with their tongues out and just not doing anything. Like they, they did not. I liked Hager and I liked Guevara. I didn't like uh, those guys. Just kind of standing there. They didn't really do anything. And maybe, maybe Jericho will, will do something different with them. But there was a battle plan. Like it, it was like I am going to get 
my team over, my stable over. He was really quick with the improvisation when the We the People stuff started. Maybe he expected it to happen and he kind of had something just in case it did. Definitely. But just really, really, really good. And those are the kind of promos that, you know, you miss from WWE TV because everything is so on the cuff. You cannot be off the cuff anymore. And it felt like that whole thing was Jericho had his idea. He had his plan, but he was going to go off the cuff if he needed to. And he was quick on his feet and it worked and that crowd ate it up. And I don't know. I thought um, I can't even think of what the best promos were this year. But if if that's not it, it's in the top two or three for me. Yeah, it was a really good promo. I thought it went a tad bit long, but yeah, he, he that was the whole idea of that promo. Was that, you know, he's already over. He's an established star. Now he's going to get over, you know, Sam Guevara, the tag team, and Jake Hager. So I mean, that, yeah, he accomplished all the gold. Inner Circle. I'm still not 100 percent on that name, but I think it'll start growing on me soon. And I get what he's going with that. It's just Santana Ortiz is, for some reason just don't fit. Like I can't, I don't see. Jericho hanging out with those guys outside, right? Like, like for the four horsemen, you could just see Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, Luger, Barry Windham, whoever, just you know, you know, flying in Lear jets and riding limousines, buying Rolex watches and etc. Like you could see them hanging out outside of the outside of the ring, right? Ortiz and Santana, I don't, but maybe that's not. Maybe that's who they're going to be. They're going to be like the hired guns, the <clears throat> the wild the wild dogs that he's going to call on. Yeah, to, he'll, uh, and maybe take maybe some dirty work, you know. And maybe they'll be further defined because they still have to do. Yeah, it's more defining. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. week two. Uh, look, the Lucha Bros haven't re- even really done anything yet, and we know how talented those guys are. Yeah, well, they just got to. I mean, Pentas is going to go out saying "Say Romero." That's all he's going to do. I mean, yeah, he's been doing yeah. it for how many years now? Yeah, same yeah. same act. Okay, so on the flip side, NXT, what did I not like? Okay, last week, we had Kushida with these surprise tag team partners. And we're wondering, like, who could it be? Who could it be? Maybe it's someone cool. And we get a formerly played out WWE tag team in Breezango. And I hated it when they came out. I was like... If you had a reason to switch the channel like these guys are, and it's not because they're not talented. They're obviously talented. It's just how WWE treats them. Like, they they treat them like dirt. Thus, why should the fans be super into them? And so I was like, okay, maybe at the very least they're going to be a main event tag team or something. Maybe they're going to do something with them here. Nope. They were fodder for a more impressive tag team. And they went out there and lost and got their asses kicked. And it only invalidated the reason for them to be in that match last week even more to me. I was like, slap me in the face two times. I I don't, I hate it when they do that. When they, what? Uh, what? I, don't, I don't think you understand their role. I think they're they're there just to be, you know, good quality workers working with the young guys. That's okay, then don't, don't call them the surprise. Then just say, it's Kushida and Brizango. And they just wanted to have some kind of surprise on the show. Not, it's not a big surprise. It was just a surprise. It was just a hook to get the crowd. You know, it sucked. It, it absolutely <laughs> sucked. It didn't. It didn't do what 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 it was supposed to do. And it now, if they would have came out there and they would have had a good match and won their match, and you know, they they would face a different tag team because obviously they're not the ones being pushed. But then maybe you validate the reason to be excited about these guys. But what I don't like is when WWE goes. 
here's this new shiny thing. Get excited. And you're like, okay. And then next week they're like, why? You, you guys are fools. Why did you fall for that? I one? wonder if it's like a, like, like based on a reality with like Kushida, Brizongo, and uh, Tyler Breeze. I, I just, you know, Kushida's kind of a a fun, goofy personality type of guy. I mean, look at me. Look at Back to the Future stuff yeah. and Time Splitter and all that. So I could see him kind of gravitate to Fandango and, and Tyler Breeze because they, they like to have fun and, and be kind of goofy. So it seems like maybe that's something that kind of organically happened like at the Performance Center. Now they're kind of just using it on TV. But I think, like I said, like, like this, this week's episode with Brizango versus the Forgotten Sons, who I think are a great team, a great unit, and and um, it was nice to see them get some TV time and hopefully a, a push soon, a big push, because I, they're a really good team. And their role is perfect. You know, they're there to, you know, they're there to, to, you know, to get beat and put these guys over and, and they're happy to do it and they're going to make those, and they're there to make those guys look good. And they did. Okay, what did I like about NXT? They, I don't I don't necessarily know if I like his name, Isaiah Scott. I think they should just call him Swerve and like figure out if they can if like they can own that copyright or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they just called him Swerve, I think it'd be awesome because he's really good. Even in this sort of you know, he he's he has to work within the boundaries. He can't do everything that he's used to doing. Even in the boundaries that that were created for him, I thought he was really good. He was like a breath of fresh air, someone new, kind of what you want Ricochet to feel like when he's on Raw. Even though he lost the match, like, just breath of fresh air. I really like seeing him on TV. I hope they, you know, I hope they really do get behind him because I think he could be you know, whatever you can be on at NXT as far as, you know, becoming a star. I think he's got a lot of talent. And look, they, they put him with Roddy. Roddy's great. They're, they were going to have a good match. You know, he's got the flavor, which Roddy lacks. And, you know, Roddy's the technician, which, you know, he may lack a little bit. So I thought it was a perfect pairing. But I don't want him to sort of get, you know, lost. I want him to to, to be, you know, on a little bit of a trajectory because, you know, he kind of gets lost in the midst of then, you know, Dream wants his shot back. So you kind of forget about about him. But I really liked him. And, and I hope that I hope they have plans for him because I think he can be something special with those guys. Well, Triple H really likes him. So I think this is just a get him on TV. I mean, I know he's been on 205 and all that stuff, but a lot of people haven't seen that. And he's been on NXT TV, too. But again, it's all on the network. This is in front of the television audience. So it's like get him on TV, get him with the in a good match. Like like we talked about earlier, like like he's gonna lose, but he's gonna get over by having such a good match. I thought he looked good. I think he looks crisp. He looks uh, all his. He does he does a lot of athletic stuff and and exciting stuff. And I think you know, he really puts it together here and spaces everything out well. I I, I really like him. I I've been watching him. Um, I wasn't a fan of him in like Lucha Underground because I think Lucha Underground was just kind of like just do whatever you know, and it just was like like just like numbing to me again, like seeing all those moves that just don't mean crap after a while. And then, but then when I saw him in MLW, when he had a run as a champion there, and he had a great match with Tom Tom Lawler, he was uh, you know he's a he was a heel, and he had a great heel persona and charisma and a babyface charisma as well. He did, you know he did both in MLW. So I think there's a lot that's going to be done with him if you know if they if the, you know they don't decide to get tired of him or something like that. But from what I understand, Triple H is really high on him. So I think we'll see more. I think this is just a hey, let's get him on TV, let's give him some exposure on there, 
People will see his performance and want to see more of him. And now he, you know, starts beating people in squashes or, you know, like a, like a Raul Mendoza or something like that and mm-hmm. has a good match. And then, and then you build it up from there. Because you still kind of tell us these stories with, like, it's not his time yet. You still got Velveteen Dream. You still got Gargano and Ciampa. But, you know, you want to you wanna show him and showcase him, but he doesn't need to win right now. <sighs> I, I, I hear what you're saying. I am not tired of the upper tier in NXT necessarily, but I don't know if when it comes to star power and we're talking about building to that last quarter, who is cool, who is the it thing, who can you promote as being you know, better at this one thing than anybody on AEW? Like there's something to that. Like, you know, maybe maybe th- I, I don't I don't know. I I know Adam Cole has a lot of charisma. I know he's a good wrestler. I don't know if he like I feel like he should be cooler than he is currently. Like I feel like he should be like the guy on NXT who draws that teenage fan base. You know that the 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 eighteen to to thirty fours or whatever, maybe a little bit older than a teenager, but. There's something about him that I have never really gotten that I but I know he has it because I know a lot of people really like him but I just think Swerve may have a, a little bit of something that the other side has that they're beating NXT at and uh, and I would I would utilize it I, I would definitely you know I, I don't know if I would save him I, I I may do something more with him than kind of do the normal trajectory of how they how they push talent because there's something different about his style that I think is, is necessary to kind of counter program AEW. Um, but that being said, what Walter in the main event with Kushida, I don't know how many people are going to change the channel to watch Walter, but God, he's like the, he's, I, don't, I, I hate to say he's the best wrestler in WWE or whatever. Cause you know, a lot of that stuff is kind of subjective, but man, he is so good. A little flavorless, probably to you know that AEW audience a little bit, though the hardcore AEW audience would love Walter. But um, man, he's so good, and and the match with Kushida was really good. I love that guy. I, I when I watch him, I go, man, I would love to see him against Brock Lesnar. <laughs> like that's the match that I that I I, I really that's like my my go-to match right now when I think of like dream matches. Yeah. He has that, that is factor. He, he commands your attention when he comes out. He's a opposing figure and they had a, Oh, that main event was so good. You know, it wasn't to the level of his match with uh, Tyler Bate, but that's a hard, you know, hard, hard thing to, you know, put a, put on him to have that kind of match. But I think they told a great story, um, a similar story. And I liked how they, they, they didn't do like a million near falls and 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 it was like and the finish was just like finally just a big clothesline that freaking finally knocked this you know this this scrappy smaller wrestler down. I just thought it was perfect and and uh, I mean I know I know you're probably tired and like oh man another 15 minutes of wrestling but when is that good? I'm like dude give me another 15 with it you know because I I just enjoy watching that guy do his thing and and he's so like everything means something like. Okay, there's a part in the match where he gets pushed off the apron, right? He and then there were there were um because she was on the top rope, facing towards the outside, 
and Walter's on the apron trying to get him, and Kashida pushes him down, and he just falls, and, and Walter falls off the apron and just like, it's just hits his side of side, and I would just start selling the ribs. Like mm-hmm. that's just a simple thing, and he continues to sell those ribs and register that pain throughout the whole match. Where like a lot of matches you see, like something happens and they get hurt, but all of a sudden they're able to do. Okay, this is one that issue with the the Young Bucks and party uh, the private party match. I can't, I keep wanting to say Party City. Why do I want to keep saying Party City? Oh my <laughs> but, God! But uh, uh, private party match. Like okay, they kept working on that one kid's back, right? That was the year they kept working on. They're going for the Scorpion Deathlocks. But he can do a little roll and jump up for her crown, no problem. And all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, my back's hurt." It's like <laughs> it's just stuff like that. Just just kind of takes me out of it quickly. So or like to be, to be fair though. Like, I think the reason why that stuff stands out to us is because so much of the match is high-flying. But, like, if you think about Hulk Hogan's comeback of where his back is dying and he can't pick these guys up, and then he hulks up and all of a sudden he can do everything and he doesn't sell it anymore, I think it's because the fact that these guys do so much athletic stuff it looks even more but fake can't than something it. like Hogan. You can't compare it to Hulk. Hogan, when he's hulking up, he's not just quickly hulking up and bang, bang, bang. He's like, it's it's like a step. He starts rumbling. He's he's getting hit. He's you know he starts shaking it off. He looks at the guy like it's building. It's building. It's building. It's building. Then he goes explode. Then it's that big comeback. These guys are just selling their back. Oh my god, I'm hurt. I'm I'm on the brink of submitting. Flip, flip, click, click, and then it, like that's a totally different. You know, Hogan's a worker; these guys aren't. You know. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is, is their style, the the style of this lucha style that kind of dominates, uh, you know, the the smaller wrestlers these days. Mm-hmm. Like that's the style, right? Like you can't do a Hulk up version of well, because they don't that. they don't know how to work. They don't understand the work. So like, if they could cut out a lot of the the bigger spots and, and take that more attention to detail stuff and selling and making a fiery comeback, making a hot tag really count. That's why I say, that's why, you know, me, and you know what I like. Um, that's why I was like, I saw, I saw that little, that, that little spot with Walter, just like, I loved it. And it just brought me into now he's, you know, now he's continuing to sell those ribs. And, and again, that little moment, that little slip up, that little moment just gave Kashida some, some advantage. Cause he was not in, an advantage early on obviously he's being dominated by the bigger guy he's trying to be quicker and faster but once he gets close you know walter's dominant i just i just thought the storytelling of that match is just so good and it, no, it was mean, definitely it, the best match of the of the two shows in my opinion yeah no it was it was definitely the best match it wasn't the hottest match but it was definitely the best match now you know look i, I like the same thing that you like mm-hmm. we we both come from that same background but it's just like when I have these arguments with NBA fans, right? <laughs> the older NBA fans are like, it's too many three-pointers. And then if you ask a kid who's like 14 who their favorite player is, it's like, oh, Steph Curry. Why? All those three-pointers, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the, the sport, is, it, has, it has to evolve. And as it does, I try my best to not put like my, you know, my you know uh get off my uh get off my lawn old person mode on and i try to be open minded but I, I mean i generally my instincts are the same as yours about what should happen um but you know it does have to evolve now we'll talk about 
a product that actually is trying to devolve from what all the main companies are doing today. We'll talk about that in a second. But is there anything else you want to talk about these two shows? Because I want to save a couple things for when we do stock up, stock down that I haven't really talked about yet because I'll save them. But if you have a couple of other things, then go for it. Well, mainly I just I watched, you know, I watch end up. <laughs> I didn't start to like 930 at night and I watched both shows. And at the end, it wasn't about who's winning and who's better. I just thought like, wow, we got two really good wrestling shows and different shows and different and i thought aw did a great job with their main event um bleeding all those storylines together very mid-south which you know tony khan is a huge fan of mid-south um i thought that was great you know xt continues to give you a really good wrestling show they did have stuff that bled into like other stories with the you know velveteen dream and champa and all that you know Stuff that was more during the middle of the show, or Vince. You know. Vince always has to go back to the dicks, though. What's that? Oh, oh, I thought, <laughs> with Roddy. Thinking, oh, that was great. I mean, because it was so good, I, I didn't expect him to go that far with it. And I thought that was that was pretty cool. You What's know? funny is I saw those pictures on Roddy Chris Lindsay's his his name on Facebook. Um, somehow he and I are friends on Facebook, but it stems from like eight or nine years ago when I met him, and he, I mean, and he's. You know he he he's a, a, a nice guy, but he posted pictures of himself with the belt, mm-hmm. uh, like like the photo that they showed on NXT, and then his little son doing the same pose with a, a, a play WWE belt. So I saw <laughs> those pictures, and then to see them played in the angle, I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought that was that was really good. Where I mean, Velveteen Dream's definitely getting a little, little more comfortable with his promos and stuff, and and uh, I thought it's like I'm looking forward to the rematch now. I think NXT's taking a little bit of a, a slower approach with things. I could tell. That's one thing that stood out too from watching NXT was like, like they're not. I don't know if they're really worried about the ratings as they're as they're really more focused on we're gonna not hot shot a lot of stuff just to try to counter or anything like that. We're just gonna keep doing what we do and then. You know, hopefully the audience will come back and find us. That's what I think they're trying to do. Honestly, the how I saw that, and sometimes this this has kind of been a WWE playbook, which is we, you know, they they would focus on like a three hour pay per view and then a three hour Raw, and by the time SmackDown came, they were so exhausted. It was just more of a by the book show, and SmackDown was often the best show because they didn't screw around with it so much. And I feel like because, you know, NXT is the third priority for WWE, even though, you know, it, you know, there's an argument that maybe it should be second instead of third, but they, um, they kind of leave it alone, right? Because it is, it is outside of this craziness of Raw and, and the craziness of now SmackDown. And, you know, if Vince is not messing with this show and he truly is letting Triple H book it, like... It's it's a quality wrestling show with a slow build to some of this stuff. Sometimes I think too slow of a build, but um, you know that that is kind of the the slow and steady thing. I think uh, I think they're gonna have to do more stuff with the guys that I talk about, like you know, like Swerve, because you know the ratings have shown so far that there is a lack of hotness from 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 the the stuff. But I can't complain as a wrestling fan when. You know, Walter and Kushida gets beat by a fair amount, and 
it was the best match of the night. Now, maybe the best wrestling match isn't necessarily what people find cool or what the audience that that demographic finds cool, whatever. Um, I, 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 we cover this stuff because, you know, th- this is a, this is part of the business, but you can also look at it and say, look, I don't really care about ratings. I just look about the quality of the show. And if you look at it that way, you also have to be okay with changes if stuff isn't working. And I, I want, I, I do want to see, you know, if Triple H has a couple of things up his sleeve to counter, because they had, they're going to, ha- you know, if they keep dropping an audience, you know, for six and seven and eight weeks, they're going to have to do something. You know, they can play it slow now because, it's, you know, they, they, I think they're confident that they have some stuff, but, you know, they, there will be a point where they're like, okay, we got to find, you know, we got to figure out what else to do because our audience has been declining. Uh, at a decent rate for four weeks in a row. And I, and I hope they do find it because, you know, it's only pe- people think like, oh, you got to be pro WWE or pro AW. You and I have been watching WWE since we we're little kids. We are never going to be anti WWE, but sometimes, and you see this in local sports, what team are you the hardest on? Your home team, right? Mm-hmm. We've been watching WWE since the mid 80s. So obviously, we're going to be a little bit harder on them out of the gate because we know when they are on fire, what they can do. And then we know when, when they suck, you know, when it sucks, cause it's like so hard to sit through. So, yeah. Um, also like, I, I wish NXT would have had a, a, a quick, maybe little promo with Matt Riddle, like a follow up. I, this is what I was telling you. Remember last week I was like, it feels like he's kind of a little bit like maybe third or fourth priority now. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, he lost the match. He doesn't have to have a match, but give him something, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I, I wish that he, he was just a little promo, like maybe like 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 footage that they actually captured after the match in the locker room of his disappointment and talking about you know just quickly saying like oh hey I just got to move up the ranks again, take one match at a time, and I'll be getting that shot again. And when AEW, I wasn't you know this is not a disappointing thing. Like I was, I really enjoyed that that ending, the post, the the whole like you know. Like I said, the bleeding of the storylines all leading together, very mid south, which I loved. Um, you know, ECW ended up you know copying that as well. A lot of promotions did, um, which is great. Week two, it's awesome. I'm just curious to see how they do in like week t- ten and twelve with their creative, right? Because you know, this is week two. How how are they? How are they after a while? You know, you gotta write weekly TV, weekly shows. You know what? You know it's interesting to see how their creative is gonna look then. And, mm-hmm. and I think we'll, we'll. It's just interesting to me because you know, of course, I've, I I booked and I love the creative side of it and see how people's minds work. So, um, that's what I'm more excited about. Not not necessarily ratings and stuff, but like I want to see the creative side on both ends, mainly AEW because, like I said, they're fresh, they're new, they have a lot of new people in booking positions that haven't really booked before. Uh, especially a TV show like this, so it'd be it's just really I'm just really curious how the show's going to look and what they do and if they can keep that fire and keep coming up with these creative ideas. And the uh, yeah and and the week to week thing, um, it, it, I I wonder how many chances they're going to continue taking and how many like it seems like now now. Maybe maybe I'm only saying this because I studied the ratings so hard last week, but it seems like with Darby Allen riding down the aisle on a skateboard to end the show, that they knew that their teenage audience and their their 18 to 34 was really high, so they were like, okay, 
like that's an audience that we need to play a little bit more to. And so I, I saw a few different things. One, Sammy Guevara, two, Darby Allen, you know, coming down the ramp to where I was like, okay, they're targeting these guys. I wonder how much, uh, you mean, because they're analytics, right? They have Chris Harrington and, and Tony Khan has an analytic background. I wonder how much they're looking at the detail of those ratings to go, okay, what, you know, what, what boxes are we ticking this week and, and where can we adjust slightly? You know, we have this, we have the plan. We're not going to change the plan, but we can adjust slightly to kind of cater to w- what we believe is, is a possible, you know, new, new fan base for us. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll get back to, to some of the stuff when we do stock up, stock down. Let's quickly move on. And uh, I want to qu- talk a little bit about the Triple G and Derevchenko fight. Now it's, already almost you know a week over but if you have DAZN or have been interested in buying DAZN this is a fight to go out of your way to watch because Triple G some people say that he was sick that there there are reports that he had a cold all week and he was not feeling well Uh, there are other people who's like oh he just you know he just aged in front of our eyes but (laughs) You know, Derevchenko took the fight to him, looked like the quicker guy, the faster guy, the more athletic guy, the more skilled boxer. But when you look at the end of the fight, he's also the one with the cut and the and the blood and, and the bruised faces. And Triple G had, had some bruises as well, but he didn't look as bad. So um, it was a really close fight. I, I didn't really score it because I was kind of doing two things at once but i i i could have been, i was fine with one round you know one point one way or the other either guy could have won the fight in a close decision triple g did knock him down early which was probably the deciding factor on most people's cards but if you if you uh were thinking about it go out of your way to see this fight it may be fight of the year especially and then last last you know the last show we did we were talking about errol spence and Sean Porter, which I was also saying was like up there for fight of the year, uh, but boxing is getting pretty good uh, about right now, and and we'll we'll talk more about it in the future. But just to kind of lay out the the thing here, it's like you know we have we have Canelo who's the big star, and he's going to face uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, in in a, in a month or so here, and poor Triple G is just like okay, I'm going to take this fight. I'm gonna win this fight, and it mean you know maybe then Canelo will 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 want to get back in the ring, and then he just almost gets taken out by this younger dude, and it was it was compelling stuff. And now Dervinchenko has actually made a name for himself, like he's gonna you know he's gonna be on other people's radars now. So it'll be good to see him get more in the mix, and uh, and yeah, just boxing stuff is uh, is is really interesting right now. I think before we move on to the UFC that I wanted to ask you about. Um, Errol Spence was in a car <laughs> accident this morning. Oh no! Uh, it was a, he was driving a sports car, and the thing flipped oh. like five times. Jeez. And from what it sounds like, is uh, he's got some injuries that he's that he's dealing with. Though the injuries aren't life threatening, and they mentioned about him, you know, being able to make a full comeback. So I hope that that is the case, and that's there. That's not just. You know, people saying that just to kind of put that information out there. But yeah, man, like that was that was kind of scary. I saw a video of the car flipping and it's ridiculous. So all best wishes to Errol Spence and oof, hopefully, uh, hopefully they uh, he, he gets better and 
and it is uh, not involved in stuff like that because that that was ridiculous. Um, okay, so uh, Israel Adesanya faced Robert Whitaker uh, in Australia, and I didn't buy the show, but I saw a lot of clips uh, on Twitter and and the like. And man, what a you know round and a half or whatever it was, just a war of these these guys just throwing bombs and you know a lot of signs just he was just a different level. Whitaker is so game and he and he can take shots and I feel like he's gonna have a shorter career than maybe we would have thought because he takes so many big shots and he fights all these really good fighters at that middleweight division. And it, Adesanya was just—he was just a uh, uh, better. He—he—he he, he won. He—he he knocked him down right at the end of the first round, which could have been lights out for for Whitaker. And then in the second round, catches him again, and it's lights out. And now there's this talk about John Jones. So Adesanya fights at 185. He doesn't look gigantic at all for that weight class. Moving up to lightweight to face John Jones is another 20 pounds. John Jones is a big light heavyweight he's a long light heavyweight we know his you know his, his uh the times that he's gotten caught with some other stuff to maybe inflate the <laughs> the size as well but what do you think about the talk of Adesanya going up to face Jones do you think it's a big enough fight to counter the risk of Adesanya's you know burgeoning star power I wouldn't do it anytime soon. I would have that guy keep building his name up and then maybe sometime late next year, maybe around November MSG show. If he's, you know, if he's been dominant and looking good. And then I think right now is just a little too, too soon to get that casual audience to buy the pay-per-view. I mean, the hardcores would, but uh, I think uh, you need to feature this guy more, get him more out there beyond the hardcores and then you do that fight because everyone knows who John Jones is, right? The casual audience knows that guy for various different reasons, <laughs> not just being a great fighter, but just being a knucklehead. So I think Ansania has to go out there, have continue to have great fights and win convincingly, and get and get people's appetite for it more. And then and then book it. And like I said, maybe this is the MSG pay per view in November next year. But that middleweight division has so many killers in it. It's uh, you know he he could. He could lose to Paulo Costa or mm-hmm. you know Yoel or I guess tell Yoel. You what, Yoel's probably going up in, in weight. But if if they book this fight within like early next year, I wouldn't be shocked because nowadays it's just about hot shotting with them, right? So, but you know me, I would just kind of hope. I mean, I know it's it's real, so it's hard to book these things out, and you never know what's going to happen. Like you said, the middleweight division is just nothing but killers, but. I mean, you still have to get that guy over even stronger to be a ratings, uh, a, a draw for the buys and and get his name out there. Like I said, and then I, th- I think next year around this time would be would be a perfect time. Yeah, our, our buddy Alan Cunahan, aka Alan Four L, he actually <clears throat> sent out a question to a few of us, and he was like, you know, I watched the Adesanya fight. Man, he looks like a superstar. He's got talent. He seems like he's got a great personality. Could he be the next Connor? And I thought, you know, from a talent standpoint, yes. But the problem is he doesn't have the same platform that Connor had, which is now that everything is on ESPN Plus, mm-hmm. um, there's really like no real impetus for, for Dana White and UFC to like just push this guy to the moon and put him in opportunities to 
you know, to, to excel in to be that next guy because, you know, they already, they're already going to make their money. You know, it's, they're already making their money. It's, it's prorated. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's already, it's already based on the deal, the TV deal that they've, that they've made. So I, I do wonder if that, uh, you know, that you cannot do that anymore. Or if you are Israel Assad and you're like, how do I become the next Conor McGregor? And it's like, well, you don't have the same platform that Connor once had. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Connor's is also a pretty savvy guy. But and it, Adesanya may not have that personality of where he's using Instagram and Twitter and he's calling out guys and he's making fun of Jose Aldo. And, and you know, when he does have the opportunity to step up, he's knocking guys out in 10 seconds. Like, that. The, all of that was part of it. But I do wonder if the lack of platform today would hurt whoever the next Connor McGregor is going to be. Um, I wonder. I wonder if they could actually be a Conor McGregor today. Is ESPN showing highlights of these the fights on like Sports Center and all that as well? It's like soon after. Uh, well, I mean, they have. Uh, I think they have their own shows, like their own what? MMA shows. But I don't know if like the lead story on Sports Center is you know Israel Adesanya knocks out Robert Whitaker. Yeah. I don't think you know there's there's it, it probably falls down the line in priority. It, I I understand that because it, it will, but I think if they start including stuff like that, like showing the finish, showing a, the post match interviews on Sports Center, and you know instead of just putting on the little ticket on the ticket on the bottom, right? I think maybe that will help. I mean, even though ESPN Plus is makes it a little bit more difficult for the get that casual audience. But if you do like Sports Center, I think that would work because I mean, you know, I you know grew up watching Sports Center as a kid. I don't watch it anymore, but. You know, all that stuff would capture my attention, make those guys bigger stars. So, I don't know. I, that's, I mean, that's a, a way to get him over to that Kaj audience. But yeah, like I said, it's, a, it's a t- definitely a tougher road to climb. They, like you said, they don't have the platform. You don't, they don't have the platform to get over like that to become those superstars to those casual viewers. I will say though, Jorge Masvidal, they can do something with that guy if they want. He's he's got a lot of personality. He's well spoken. He's got a little bit of an edge to him. I've heard him on stuff uh, recently, building up that fight with Nate Diaz for next month, uh, and I think he, I think he's very interesting. So if if it, you know, not not to say that he's going to beat Nate, though I think he will. Um, he's still got to win fights too, but I think there's something with him if if they can keep him moving too. They, they got a couple guys who have piqued the public interest for sure, and uh, and and they just need to continue <coughs> to promote these guys. Uh, okay, so. I didn't watch NW Power, NWA Power. You watched it. It is on YouTube. Jim Cornette is the main commentator. Tim Tim um, Nick Aldis is the champ. Faced off against Tim Storm in a match in which if Storm did not win, he would not be able to face uh, win, you know have a title shot again. So give me the give me your your thoughts about this show, and then I want to come back and ask you questions because I, I have a lot of worries about this type of show mm-hmm. as far as whether or not you can do a show like this and what it means and if it can exist in the current you know ecosystem of, of pro wrestling. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun watch. It's definitely you know plays on the nostalgia. The, it looks good. It uh, it's a studio wrestling format. Um, I think we you both and you and I kind of got the tail end of the studio wrestling format, right? With yep. the uh, the old building and then the center stage was you know after that. So mm-hmm. 
But, you know, a lot of the older fans, you know, they grew up on this. And, you know, uh, Billy Corgan grew up on Georgia Championship Wrestling. So he's, like, recreating his youth. And um, they, they had a lot of good wrestling. Um, they have good talent, talent that can talk, which is very important for the studio wrestling. Uh, they had, you know, Nick Aldis cut a, a really good promo to open the show up. It was it was probably, honestly, better than Jericho's promo. <laughs> Um, but the only thing I didn't like about it, and I also didn't like this about Jericho's promo too, when he kind of does say like insider terms. Yeah. Like, you know, he's basically, I think all this basically, he just said this one little line. I just, and it's totally like for, I, I was like in this promo, I was like, believing him as a champion. I was believing this promotion. I was believing the end is legit back in. I was believing that championship. And he says, you know, I'm not, I didn't come here to do the J O B and the ATL. And I just like, ugh. <laughs> But, like, the passion that promo was there. Uh, they had squash matches, which was great. You had Jim Cordell of color, who was just making logic out of everything. Um, they had one segment that was kind of goofy with James Storms, Josephus. It was kind of just, 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 just kind of stupid. Um, Tim Storm and Nick Aldis had a good match. Uh, Tim Storm cut a great promo building up his match on the show. My issue with this show was. Like, but like you had this match. Like instead of rushing to do it on episode one, like do this match on episode four or five. Like keep having promos between Nick Aldis and Tim Storm, building to Tim Storm's you know possible final opportunity if he doesn't win this championship. I I, I would I would have liked to see that. Like all of a sudden, like they went from A B to C like within an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. I I don't know where it's gonna land in the in the pro wrestling. I think it's like for free on YouTube. It's perfect, right? But like, how does it survive and sustain itself? I I just I don't. I I'm, I'm curious to know Billy Corbin's Billy uh, his uh, business plan because I just don't see how long this could keep going. Yeah, and I think even Corgan has said himself like. You know, this is just a this is like sort of marketing for us to try and get a TV deal mm-hmm. because, you know, I think they did uh, 15,000 live viewers on the live version of the show. And, um, you know, when you look at the actual overall viewership, the way that that YouTube counts it, um, still not super impressive uh, for all of the stuff that I saw. And look, we, we are in a different fan base of, of pro wrestling where people that this is right up a lot of folks that we know right up their alley but obviously the key to success in any uh entertainment business is not the hardcores mm-hmm. uh if it was then you know you'd have all these really great niche boutique companies and and you know this just doesn't work that way but my thought was why am I going to watch, even if I'm I'm sure that I would have liked it, why am I going to watch when there's so much other stuff to watch and I'm pretty sure this thing doesn't last very long because I am, you know, I'm the type of person where if I say, okay, I'm going to start covering this thing or watching this thing, I have to like stick through it all the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so to me, I'm like, this is an investment of time. If I do it, I'm going to do it a hundred percent, but I don't feel like it's going to last or exist, you know, past two months or whatever it is. And I would love to eat crow about that. But 
because there's so much other stuff that we're watching and we're covering, and, and look, I'm, I'm not even going to get to watch, um, I probably won't even get to watch SmackDown this weekend just because I have other stuff going on. And to me, the SmackDown draft is so much of a newsworthy show that that would have priority over something like NWA Power. And if I can't watch SmackDown, then there's no way I'm going to try and, and watch NWA Power. But look, if it becomes a thing and all of a sudden it's the best wrestling show on TV and people are talking about it, I am going to have to tune in. And and I would love for that to be the case. And I will find the time and eke out another hour in the week to, to watch it. I just don't know if from a must-watch perspective, if it is anything more than it was fun and it reminded me of my you know, of wrestling from my youth. But if it doesn't have a pathway to survive or to succeed, I don't know if I'm going to prioritize it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it a shot for like a good six weeks. I'm going to make time to watch it on every Tuesday because it was a fun show. Like I enjoyed it. And for me, like I said, it brought me back to when I was a kid. So I'm definitely going to keep it going. I was a little, I'm a little concerned about some of the the booking choices they did. Like, uh, you know, and also concerned about the talent because like, I watched a Nick Aldis and his promo and his package with the uh, her name's Camille, I believe, mm-hmm. Ron Strowman's ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, like their whole presentation, I thought, like, man, I think I wrote this on our Facebook uh, group. Like, if I'm AEW, I'm signing Nick Aldis away, right? We know he already has exposure to their fan base, right, from the All In show and and like, how does Billy Corgan compete with that? How does he, you know, does he have enough? I know he has a lot of money, but does he have enough money to compete with, you know, WWE or AEW to to bring these guys over? You know, it's like a good spot for wrestlers to kind of get their name out there, especially for young wrestlers. But like, if you're like this, oh man, I've always wanted to do studio wrestling. This is where I want to be. Like, it's not going to, you're not going to, you know, last there, right? I mean, how many contracts can they get out? I'm sure Eli Drake has a good contract, good enough to. You know, James Storm does all this, but like, how long can they really keep those guys? You know, I think they're just here. They're going to get hot again, or or use this to try to get hot again and, and get a bigger deal somewhere else. That's a it's a good thing that you brought up about about Aldis because it was one of the questions I had, which is when you are that talented, you have to have offers coming at you. Mm-hmm. Does he just want to be a small uh, a big fish in a small pond? Why, why isn't he with a another company instead of, you know, doing what he's doing? I mean, he must enjoy it, for one. He must be getting a decent paycheck for two. But it's almost like when, when I see guys like that, I go, okay, they're very comfortable in their role. And maybe they don't know how they would be in a bigger company where they're not the top guy necessarily right away. Well, I think with Nick Aldis, like, he wasn't doing much. Um, when Corrigan started this deal with the NWA and he saw all this as a guy that he can make a champion and carry it on the, in the ring and on the mic. And I think, you know, I think all this little loyal to Billy Corgan gave him a opportunity to be the guy on this promotion. And I think he wants to stick with it to see how it goes. But, you know, within a, I still say with, you know, in the next year, I won't be shocked if, you know, WWE and AEW put offers out to that guy because you know, you know he, he he's a he's a 
good talker. You could you could prove that on this show alone. And he's a he's a he's a damn good wrestler too, and carries himself like a star. And yeah, I could definitely you know I want to know how, I want to know can NWA hold on to these guys? I, I don't think so. Um, so uh, definitely you know we'll we'll if if you continue to watch this we'll we'll talk about it. I know our buddy. Our buddy Russ wanted us to want he you know more more you than me because he because he knew that you watched it but uh, he wanted us to to kind of talk about it so um, if if Russ if John keeps watching we'll keep talking about it I'll tell you what I do, I do have a recommendation for people to watch if they're if they're into that old school wrestling check out on the WWE Network if you haven't watched it yet AWA NWA Nia Champions two from December of uh, uh, 1985, man. What a like from just a, from top to bottom, just like a good, solid wrestling show. You have like all these great matches: Rick Martel, Stan Hansen, Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Rock and Roll and Long Riders, the Road Warriors versus the Russians, Tully Blanchard or Magnum TA. I mean, good, really good stuff. All right, so we don't need to talk about this um, very much because it is kind of old news now, but. I did want to get your take on the Bray Wyatt Seth Rollins main event at Hell in a Cell. Ugh, so frustrating. Like, what were they? What was Vince thinking? Right? <laughs> um, I just I couldn't believe it, and I like I got spoiled because I saw the group text a little bit. Like, nothing was officially said, but I knew some kind of craziness happened. And. Mm-hmm. And as I'm watching and as I'm watching, I'm not digging the red lights, first of all. Um, I'm I'm like, okay, they're going to somehow either going to beat Bray or some kind of... And they and even worse, I think, is just they killed the cell. And they didn't... I don't think they officially killed Bray or anything like that. But it just it just was a, it was a bad deal all around. I think it was smart not to have him on Raw. The next Monday, let it cool oh, down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely very, very smart. That was pretty, pretty brilliant. And and we'll see how they come out after that. I think I think poor Rollins is going to be in that Roman Reigns role now, maybe, with the audience. We'll see. But, you know, every audience is different. It could be just this audience at this time, at the show. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I still think Rollins should be go back heel anyway. So maybe this is a good thing if the crowd does start turning against him because he's such a natural heel. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually digging the pay per view overall. I thought it was a pretty good show, and and that just kind of like leaves a bad like stank on you know on a. I thought a pretty good day, good night of wrestling. And, uh, okay, okay. So you said you said this before, and I was like, "There's there." I can't believe he thinks this. So you thought that was a good show because I watched the opener, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Becky Becky and Sasha was awesome. And even and even the tag team with Roman and, and Daniel Bryan, I was like, this match is really good too. And then from that point on until the main event, I thought the rest of the show was just like, are you trying to keep viewers? <laughs> like, no. Like the, the okay, the Baron Corbin and Chad Gable match sucked so bad, and it's it's not even because what you think I'm probably gonna say, which is that it's 100% Baron's fault. It's not 100% Baron's fault. That was a five-minute match stretched out to 12 minutes <laughs> with the worst commentary I have ever heard in my life on a wrestling show. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't like the whole. I mean, that was. I mean, they had this killer match on Raw, and they come back with this. And it was all just the, the the play off the joke of Chad being short, and the ring announcer even calling him by that name that Corbin gave him. You know, when he won, it's just that, and even the the, the even worse than the match. The match is fine, but like the like you said, all that stuff. The com- commentator, the the ring announcer making fun of him, and then even the the backstage, you know, interviewer you know has a you know a slip and says you know shorty gave whatever his name was right and i'm just like why why that stuff that stuff's frustrating i understand but i i look at the good and the good was like the hell in a cell with um sasha and becky that that they they exceeded my expectations i wasn't really um i wasn't that high on it but they they really worked hard they had a really breakneck pace like they they went for a good while and there was not much slowing down i love that tag match that tag match was my favorite match of the night they those all four of those guys just killed it i thought that was just a fantastic match i love that match and then i like randy orton versus ali i thought that was a good match um so and then the only thing i I was more uh, the gable thing pissed me off and also i didn't like the oc disqualification like i thought that was just kind of cheap but uh, but yeah, then I I was enjoying the, the 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 main event until until what happened. Other than the red, I didn't like. But the main the, event, the 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 Nintendo Virtual Boy color, like yeah was... yeah. I don't know. I know I did. I know they're trying to make you know Bray as creepy as possible. But like you know, red bleeds on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I don't know. I don't know how the. I'm sure the it was easier to view being in the live audience, but. But like when it came to TV, it was it was kind of really hard to tell, especially stuff with Bray. And he already has that mask on, right? So, um, yeah. But overall, like I said, I was enjoying. It. I wasn't like bored. I wasn't getting tired. I wasn't like waiting to fast forward or anything. I just, you know, I just thought it was a great show. Maybe because I was still riding that high from that tag match, which I thought was, like I said, I thought that tag match was just, just killer. All right, so WWE draft starts mm-hmm. on Friday. SmackDown is uh, is kicks it off. This frustrates me too. Seth Rollins against <laughs> Roman Reigns for the draft pick. Now, I think Seth Rollins as the champion is not allowed to be drafted. I think he is automatically on Raw, so he has some stakes into being on that show. Uh, so if he wins, then his brand obviously gets, uh, you know, gets the guy. Um, and actually, you know what? That's actually wrong. The champions are available to be drafted now that I'm reading through these, uh, these convoluted rules. So neither of these guys are guaranteed to be on the brand that they are fighting for to get the first pick. So Seth versus Roman, if Seth wins, I'm assuming... Raw then picks uh, Becky, and then if SmackDown wins, I'm and and Roman wins, then I'm sure they pick him. Uh, but uh, whatever whatever it is, I they already they made the draft like faker than it needed to be because they've actually have rules this year. They they are they're going to incorporate. It's actually like it's not even really Raw versus SmackDown. It's actually interesting. It's USA versus Fox, hmm. and they're having executives from both uh, from both companies, uh, you know, play the 
executive to, to do the picks or whatever, which is kind of cool. But the, the other thing that I think is cool is they have a bunch of celebrities who are going to be uh, in, you know, involved from both from Fox and from USA. So A-Rod is going to be on this show. Uh, Michael Shea from uh, from Saturday Night Live, he's going to be on the show. So it's kind of cool. Like, it, you know, they, what, the, what the NFL has done recently in, in, the, in their draft is they will take uh, a, a, a veteran player, popular player, fan favorite from one of the teams. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, for the 49ers, you know, representing the 49ers in the second round. Jesse Sapolu, who for 49er fans is like this classic, you know, f- five-time, four-time Super Bowl winning winning guy. And uh, and then he announces the pick. And so it's kind of like this ode to the past. And so having celebrities be a part of the draft is kind of like a cool thing that the NFL has done. So I think is it's really cool. Representing USA, my boy Dooley Hill, Burton Guster from Psych going to be on it? Let me see. I, I, I have the list. So, let's see. The ones that they announced, um, yes, he is going to be on there from Psych and Suits. He is involved. Yes. Same same with uh, James Roday. Yes. Who, who is also in the show A Million Little Things, I believe. And which I is an believe ABC they show. might be there to promote Psych, the movie, too. So oh, interesting. Which is one of my favorite TV shows from the USA Networks and... So yeah, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> this one is this one may not be up your alley because I don't know which version of this show that you watch, but Margaret Josephs and Melissa Gorga from Real Housewives of New Jersey oh, are gonna be on. No, if it's OC, if it's Real Housewives OC, then then I'm for sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, I gotta catch up on Tuesday night's episode. Uh, don't at oh. me. Don't at me, as the kids say. <laughs> so uh, also Christian Slater. Christian Joe. Slater. I guess he's on a show called Mr. Robot. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a pretty pretty popular show in USA. Yeah. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Wow. Okay. Um, Kevin Burkhart and Frank Thomas, who are MLB analysts. Obviously, everyone knows Frank Thomas, the mm-hmm. big hurt. Terry Howie, Jimmy, and Tony Gonzalez, the Fox NFL Sunday guys. Rondé Barber, Charles Davis, Chris Spielman, Daryl Johnston. The Fox analysts, uh, Chris Spielman, everyone will remember from WrestleMania 11. <laughs> uh, Clarissa Thompson, Michael Vick, Peter Schrager. Clarissa Thompson was amazing on the SmackDown uh, blue carpet event from uh, last Friday. She killed it. She she knew everything. And I'm sure a lot of this stuff was written for her. But she was such a pro. She delivered it, she delivered it like she followed the product, which was awesome. Uh, Rob Stone, Brady Quinn, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, and Urban Meyer, which are the Fox uh, college football, like that that same show, like that that they do on ESPN, but the Fox version of uh, the college football show. Um, and then uh, and yeah, that that's uh, Rodney Harrison, Chris Sims from Football Night in America. So lots of athletes and uh, former athletes and analysts will be on there. Um, from uh-huh. John from from John Pollock, just to kind of describe their role, the celebrities will be doing spots, but not actually making the picks. They are said to be there. They are said to be spots discussing strategy and analysis, and that Stephanie McMahon will be in the role of announcing all the picks, like a league commissioner would. 
I'll tell you what. I mean, as goofy and wacky these drafts have always been, this is sounds this sounds like a lot of fun. I'm 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 100% tuning in tomorrow. I love it. I lo- I love the idea. And look, they may <laughs> screw it up by yeah. being too sticky, but this is the kind of stuff that they should be doing. Like make your product seem important to the outside world other than just the small bubble that you live in. Like, yeah. this is the stuff. Yeah, and with all these, you know, I mean, c- celebrities, some bigger than others, it makes your it makes your product cooler, right? So, yeah, I, I, I'm with it, man. I'm, I'm excited. So they're splitting up the draft um, on night one, which is Friday. There will be 30 folks eligible, so they will be, pr- they will be picking from a pool of 30 teams and... Uh, and singles wrestlers and the tags count together as one pick unless the executives want to split the team up and they just want to pick one of the tag team members um just like the last few shakeups or shakedowns or whatever they called the, the they called the superstar shake yeah but i wouldn't like split up like the oc and stuff like that though. yeah I, I mean i hope they don't they shouldn't yeah, that'd, that'd be stupid um but what they're going to do is for every two SmackDown picks, Raw gets three because they got the three-hour show. So that's what they, they've done that in the past. Um, and, you know, the top folks who are probably going to be picked on night one, so on Friday, you have Becky, you have Roman, you have the OC as a unit. Mm. Though, you know, like we just said, you could take AJ from them and take the other guys on the other side if, if you wanted, which would may probably not be too smart. The Fiend... Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Sasha Banks, Ricochet, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley. Those are the top folks on uh, for, for available for night one. And for, on night two, which is on Monday for Raw, you have Seth, Brock, Charlotte, um, Nakamura, Aleister Black, The New Day, Daniel Bryan, uh, all, uh, The Miz, Harper, and Rowan are not a team. Harper and Rowan are actually singles, uh, not not put together for, for this draft. Uh, the Miz... And uh, Ziggler and Rude together, Samoa Joe. So th- to count, so the, one of the questions was, well, if you do it as a real draft and you take all the best guys on night one, why is anyone going to care about night two? So what they did instead was they just like split the rosters in half and said, these guys are available on night one. These guys are available on night two. So they'll have all the top folks on, you know, top folks on both sides. Should be fun. I imagine they'll probably do something to make it harder to understand and scratching your head because that's kind of what they do. But I, I, I mean, look, I, I think Fox being a part of this, wanting it to be more like real sports is a positive to this product. They are forcing, they're like, hey, Vince, we're paying you a lot of money. You need to do some things that we want to. We're not going to just let you run, uh, you know, run crazy like USA has done in the past. So let, let's uh, let's do some let's do some real stuff here. So I really like that. All right, <clears throat> last thing, last two things before Raw ninety three, and let's see what time are we in. Uh, you know, we're we're running a little hot here, but let, let's see how long it'll take us to get through these last couple things. Just quick thoughts on the news or the expected news. We were we talked a little bit about Kane and Brock on the Friday show last week, so we don't have to talk about that again. We gave our thoughts there, but. Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, it looks like, will also be in Saudi Arabia, and they're doing this big press conference around it. They're really pushing like these other sports stars who are involved in you know in this show 
does Tyson Fury does he bring more eyeballs? Like, what do you think is going to happen here? I don't know if he brings as many eye- eyeballs as you know a lot of people think, but I, I still think it's it's very cool. I just don't I don't understand why it's on Crown Jewel. I understand because they can use that money and get these guys right. They had that's that's why I think you know. They're just this is where they're getting all the money to to book these, and they have money. I'm just saying, like it's get they're getting money for Saudi Arabia to book these guys, and I just think, like, man, what do you have for WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. Like, I think this these could be two WrestleMania matches, and who knows? I mean, they could build to rematches or something like that, but like, it's not as caught as the first match. So WrestleMania is good for big spectacle matches for the first time, and I just think it'd be perfect there. Um, but yeah, I just I, I like the angle on Raw. Did you watch Raw? Did you watch the angle with Tyson? I've seen clips of the Tyson thing, but I did not watch the whole the whole show as it happened. Yeah, I didn't actually I didn't end up watching the whole Raw. I just got I, mean, I don't know if it was just like burnout from wrestling or yeah, I just I'm like, okay, I'll just watch that. I know that I just I'll just find out when the, the main angle is on and but I liked it. I thought it was well done and I'm looking for looking forward to what they can do and hopefully Strowman wins that match. Or, or, or something. I'm kind of kind of a little worried about Tyson Fury <laughs> knocking out Strowman or something silly. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Bob, we'll see what Bob Arum thinks. Yeah, about this. I know. I think I'll be some. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do some. You know, you won't like this. Maybe they'll do some bullshit finish <laughs> and to build up a rematch or something. I mean, you can do a non-finish. I think the could, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a non-finish with some major stunt. For yeah, I, th- I think the fan the fans are okay with a non-finish as long as they don't feel like they're getting ripped off like they did at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about just a qu- real quick on Braun Strowman. I don't think he could ever be Hulk Hogan, but th- I think they missed out on him. What he can really what he could have really been. Because think of Hogan, right? I mean, Hogan's a good worker, a good worker. He's not that great wrestler, but he's a good worker. But like, I mean, Braun doesn't need to do much, right? Hogan didn't need to do much, and Braun has like a connection with this crowd, and he has these unique promos. They're not the, you know, they're not Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes, but like to his character, they're very unique to him, and and I like them. They're straight to the point, right? Always, and he has a great catchphrase. You know, I don't know. I just think they really miss with him. They really mixed his maximum potential. He's still over. He's very popular. People love him. But, like, I mean, that, 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 I mean, he should have been the one that just beats Brock and at one point. And I don't know. I just had to say that. It just really hit me the other day when I, he just did a backstage promo. And I'm thinking, like, man, this guy has the tools to be that guy that gets feet, fed heels who destroys all the heels for like a year or more, you know, like Hogan would do back in the day. But they don't do that anymore. No, I know, I know. I'm just, I know. But I'm just saying, like, I'll, I got that vibe from not like Hogan level vibe, but like of that, of that, of that ilk, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, last segment before we go to Raw '93, which is the uh, October 11th show from 1993. Uh, stock up, stock down. So, who in the last week or the last couple weeks do you feel? has raised their game and who do you feel has you know sort of dropped out of your favor now um i'll go with my stock down first because i don't think this person will be on your radar and so we won't we won't cross wires here (laughs) 
my stock down and I never really thought a lot about her, but I know a lot of people like her because I think they like her personality, her story. She's a, you know, she's a baby face, but man, these last few weeks, I think she's wrestled on NXT two out of the last three weeks has been really bad. I'm way down on Dakota Kai. Hmm, yeah. Just I I I li- I mean I like her story and I'm like rooting for her and she had that injury and she's coming back and she's gotten the opportunity a couple times to wrestle and I'm just like I don't know if she's apprehensive or maybe the injury is on her mind or maybe she's just not not ready or whatever it is but they've tried to put her in some uh some spots to look good and I don't think she's delivered at all. Yeah, she's been little hesitant and yeah, you could be the you know coming back from the injury and stuff which is a you know big mental thing beyond just the physical thing um she didn't win so they're definitely featuring you know heating up bianca which who, who i just love by the way i think she, i just got like i think she's amazing she's a, such a future she's ripped man future star um but yeah no i, I understand and it's funny because i i remember i think i mentioned last week that they're building up uh, building her up for maybe Shayna, but I think actually the story that they're... I think the person's going to beat Shayna is going to be Tegan Knox. Mm. I think that's going to be the stamp on that story. I mean, coming back from this horrific injury to both knees two years in a row to get back in the ring when she, you know, she returns next week, and I think she's going to be, you know, the one that finally unseats Shayna. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's an interesting, interesting storyline. Though, hmm. I do wonder if you can go to her right away, being that she is coming back from a terrible knee injury, and sometimes it takes them a little while, you know, maybe, maybe that's Dakota Kai's problem, like we just said, but maybe it takes her a little while to kind of, you know, get back into the swing of things. So, may, so maybe, you know, I, I don't know if that'll be a good idea or not, but I mean, they are pushing that story for her comeback. Yeah, and I, th- I think also, too, though, they're not going to rush it, but they'll... They'll, you know, they'll be, they'll be here. You know, she has a, she has a team with Dakota Kai, right? So you can see tag matches with them and the four horsewomen, and maybe you can throw Candice LeRae as a partner with them for some trios matches or something like that. So, yeah, you know, you get, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot you can do to, to get to that title match and that title change. Okay, what, what's, uh, do you have a stock up or stock down? Um, stock down. I, I'm gonna go Ricochet because. There's a guy that I just felt the like superhero. Some, something was going to happen big with him, and just they haven't done anything. So I'm not like, I wouldn't really invest my time. My stock up would definitely be uh, Rhea Ripley. Um, they they featured her. I love that squash they do with her. Like that was a good. That was really good. Just just as, you know, that's what I like about the about NXT shows. Like they have those those those, those squash matches. They're little, they're competitive squash matches, but they're still squash and. And, um, you know, and Rhea looked, I mean, she, she's great. I mean, we always talked, I mean, she just has it. And same with her and Bianca. Like I said, they're going to be the future of that division. Okay, let me ask you about that new finisher, which was really awesome. Yeah, that was unique and different and yeah. and not stupid. And But she can, I mean, she's big enough to do it to a lot of the girls, right? Okay, how does she do it to Charlotte, though? Uh, well, she also has the pump handle, so she can do that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlotte would be interesting. Yeah, that was a small argument I had. Someone sent me that move, and I was like, "Yeah, that move's awesome." But 
what happens when Vince puts her against Nia Jax and she can't do it? Well, there's other ways to beat her. Beat sure, her but I but that move is so great. I want to see her do it all the time. Now. Well, you know, you know, like hey, Bret Hart, could he get? Can he get the sharpshooter on Yokozuna? His thighs are too big. Can he? Oh get, my God! Can Rhea Ripley get uh, that? Whatever that holds called on <laughs> Nia Jax. Okay, so stock down uh, again. I'll, I'll, I have I do have stock up. Don't worry. But um, okay, I, I'm gonna say Vince. Oh, and the reason I'm gonna say Vince is for this really petty thing that I'm about to say. So on week one of of uh, AEW, Riho has this very average match with Nyla and just for whatever reason just connects with that audience they're so behind her and like I said you know the the teenage uh, female viewership was way up so she connected and so if you're paying attention and you go wow like they made a star in one night and she didn't even have a good match we have two or three Japanese women who are 10 times better than Rio. So what do they do? Instead, they turn Kairi Sane and Asuka heel. Mm-hmm. Kairi Sane should be whatever Rio is times 10. And instead, she's now a weird heel in this t- tag team, which is a really good tag team, but like, obviously going to get lost in the shuffle like always. But why is Kyrie Zane not in that Rio spot? I think you might be looking too deep into this. I think, you know, they needed heels. They needed new challengers for Becky and Charlotte. And I think that's what that that's why they were given that role. It wasn't like they're countering AEW. With- no, I'm saying they should. They should be watching that closely and going like, oh, they figured something out that we haven't been able to figure out in a you know consistently in a really long time. Yeah, but I think also on their end, like they have Becky Lynch, and who's a bigger star than Rio, right? So I mean, they have women wrestlers who are bigger stars than Rio. She's literally the only one. She's the only one who is a baby face on the female side who is over. Rio. No, Becky Lynch in WWE. You think Charlotte's over? Char- Charlotte is Charlotte is over to an extent, and because she 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 is a star, but she's such a tweener. Like she's not mm-hmm. a true babyface. Like Rio is a true babyface. Even Becky, you know, Becky is is a babyface, but she's not sort of the quintessential babyface. She's more of like that Steve Austin babyface. But there, the, you can have more than one type of babyface. And I'm just, I, I mean, I just looked at Rio and I was like, okay. AEW just showed what Vince McMahon has been unable to do in a very long time, and he he they they just showed that you can do it. And so the flip side is like, okay, Vince, like here is a a, a blueprint for you, and he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna just do the other thing and flip it all the way over and and do it the opposite. But I'm I'm guessing in my. Is that I think they were just already in the plans to turn those girls heel, Oscar. Sure, and, 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 and that's fine. Like yeah. you know, I, I think they're miscast completely, but you know, they're, they're, they'll at least Oscar. I think will be fine. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, Kyrie, I, I just think she's a natural baby face, and 
But you know, we'll see how it goes. It just started, and and like I, I think they really need some. They needed some new blood with Becky and Charlotte, and and you know that, and they need and they need some girls that can go as well with those girls. And you know, Oscar of course is top notch, and Kyrie same thing. She's 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 really damn good. So I think that was more to it instead of like. You know, trying to compare themselves to AEW. No, it wasn't a comparison. It was just more like you need to watch. Like you need to watch the opposition and see what is working because you need to learn from this. As smart as a as a as as a wrestling person, Vince is. He's maybe one of the smartest of all time. Like he needs to figure. Like they, they 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 just showed that that audience still exists. That. WWE has been unable to get for a long time, and while AEW didn't keep it for week two all the way, still, there you know Vince should be like looking at this and going like, oh wow, like look at what they're doing, cool. But will Vince do that? Who's been in the game for whatever you know, thirty five, forty years is gonna like, like oh god, I got to change my way because these guys in two weeks have done done really well. Like no, I, but, I, I don't but, think but, he would. But but think about what the average audience was in nineteen ninety eight. In '98, well, the younger audience, right? Well, it was what? How old were we in 1998? Because we, we were the we were the average audience yeah, in 1998. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. and now and now the average audience is again. How old are we? I get like, it. So I get so that but but and I and I think the hypothesis was okay. Those people don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And AEW was like, no, slow your roll. We're gonna find those people, and they did. So you should learn and go. Okay, maybe those people do exist. Let's go. Let let's try to poach those guys who are unsatisfied with our product. Let's try to find those guys and 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 figure it out. And this is a, an example. It's not the example. Mm. It was just something that I watched and I was like, wait, what did I miss here? Because I just saw a, a young woman, Asian woman, baby face who is not even that good get over, and I see Kyrie Sane and to an, to an extent. Or actually, this person is probably even better for that role, Io Shirai, who should be what Rio is times ten, and I want to see them in that role mm-hmm. times ten because they're so much better than she is. Well, let's 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 wait and see, see what they do, and see how Rio does and keeps that audience. I mean, she might, you know, who knows? They got planned. They got her Britt Baker next week already. I can't believe that. It's shocked they went to that match next week. Yeah, that that is interesting. Okay, so my stock up. Is, I, I mean, I could, I could, I've already given enough kudos to Walter. I think he's one of the greatest guys going today. So I won't say him, but I will say that as a babyface, Cody Rhodes was the like the greatest babyface of all time, just by doing a run in with fire. And I looked at him and I was like, man, like what what, what separates his babyface fire from someone like Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns. Daniel Bryan has that when he plays that character correctly. But like, what is separating Cody from those guys? Why does Cody seem so real as a babyface, as someone you're pulling for from those guys? And I, I don't know what it is. It Maybe it's just he feels like he believes in the product. He believes in himself. You know, he's put himself in these like really top top guy storylines he's got Jericho whatever it is whatever that like 
um, the thing is that 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 he is just so on fire. Like I watched that thing and I was like, Cody might be the best babyface in wrestling today. And it's not because he's the most talented, because Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, they're both better wrestlers than Cody Rhodes is. But what separates that? Why why does Cody feel hotter as a babyface than those guys? Some of it is maybe the newer product, but it just feels real. And I just was like, man, you know, I love I like Cody a lot. I don't think he's the best wrestler in the world. I don't think he's, you know, kudo, you know, I don't think he deserves all the kudos as a as as a performer or whatever. But whatever it was, it he just felt like the best baby face going and just in doing that running uh, on on uh wednesday yeah i think it has to do a lot like you know cody knows his audience that audience everything's still new everything so uh, the rose is still sh- really sh- bloomed on this new product and the fans there are just into everything at this right now so i think it just all kind of works right now cody but i like him too i think cody's i mean he's my my favorite thing to watch on his segments are always my favorite things to watch on aw because i know i'm gonna get that old school good solid wrestling because cody's a worker i mean he's a worker so um yeah i was gonna ask you a question so mike rotunda yep is married to like a rose right uh we can look that up because i'm wondering if cody was talk to bray wyatt and learned how to teleport himself into the ring <laughs> with black and save the day I'm watching. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, it, tr- it turns dark, and I know this is what they want. They want you to be like, oh shit, who's this going to be? Who's this new person? Who's this big signing? Ah, it's Cody with the and I'm, and it got a great reaction, right? But I'm thinking like, can't this motherfucker just like run down the aisle? Like, we got a still got a a massive pop and more of a more of a realistic, you know. But it, it was still it was cool. The whole angle at the end was great. Like I said, I I, I enjoyed it. I just I thought it was funny. Like, oh, Cody just all of a sudden appeared out of the darkness, you know. <laughs> Uh, Mike, Mike Rotunda is married to Stephanie Wyndham. Oh, okay, okay. So she's oh, Blackjack's daughter. They're all related somehow. You know, they're yeah. all they're all family. So maybe yeah. maybe you did talk to Bray. Bray's like, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you do it, man. <laughs> um all right. So uh so let's let's talk about 93 Raw. <laughs> Uh, we're finally at the end here. And you know the other thing when I was talking about Corey Graves, how it was like the worst announcing ever. It's also because, like, I've heard, I just heard Jerry Lawler on Raw do, like, all these really funny jokes. And Corey Graves did not have any jokes prepared for this Shorty Gable thing. He'd even try. And then we're, we're watching Bobby Heenan on these 93 Raws, and he's got, like, a punchline for everything. Yeah. That was also that's why not, it just stood out. That's so hard to compare to those two guys. But, like, I, I mean, also think maybe, like, maybe even Corey Graves knows, like, dude, we really got to sell this stupid shorty gable thing. Yeah, that 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 was really frustrating to me. That whole that whole okay, but thing. but 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 Lawler or Heenan in that same role, right? They would have been telling so many jokes about how he couldn't get on the teacups ride at Disneyland and ha- like just witty stuff that shows at least that you're trying. Cody to Cor- sorry, Cody Corey Graves is really good. But compared to Lawler and and Bobby Heenan, he's not great. So I don't know. I think he's. I think he was. I think when he first started, he was a breath of fresh air, and now I think he sucks. All right. All right. October eleventh, nineteen ninety three. We come out of the battle royal to determine 
the match for Shawn Michaels' newly vacated Intercontinental Championship. At the end of that match is someone who hasn't really been on 93 Raw a lot, Rick Martel, against Razor Ramon, who has been a pretty decent focal point. Now, he he first started as a heel, then he became a babyface. He's now a pretty hot babyface. And that is the that is the match that they are pushing for this ver- for this raw. The winner wins the Intercontinental Championship. So Vince calls Rick Martel a former WWF mm-hmm. champion. So that was a little bit of a faux pas. Bobby Heenan later corrects him by saying he was a tag team champion, but not a singles champ. So this would be Rick's first singles championship in WWF. And they lead the show off with this match. This is the first match uh, on the show. So they kick off this version of Raw with essentially what is their supposed main event. And a lot of the match is, you know, Rick Martel, he, he's the, the heel. He's, you know, softening up the bigger guy. Razor's the bigger guy. He's, he's uh, you know, messing with his back so that... Uh, when he does put on that Boston Crab, maybe he can get Razor to tap. He puts him on it a couple times, but Razor, hot baby face, big guy, eventually comes back to win the match with the Razor's Edge. Um, <laughs> two questions I have for you. One, Martel wasn't even really in WWF uh, that much for the year, as, as we've been watching. Why do you think the call was to him to come back to be the heel to lose to Razor here? Well, two reasons. Uh, he hasn't been on TV for a while, so he's been there for a while. So he's fresh again, um, and he's also really damn good worker. So you put him with Razor, who's who's really good as well, but, like, he, you know, Martel checks all the boxes. You know, he's, he's reliable. He's going to give you a great match, and he's fresh and new, and, and he's that he's so fresh and new that – you know, there's that doubt, like, I mean, he's going to be the one that beats, you know, Razor, or maybe Razor won't be able to beat this guy. So, yeah, I thought that's why it was. Okay, second question, which is, we know, because, you know, WrestleMania 10 is one of the, has one of the most uh, famous matches of, of all time, which is Razor and Sean in the latter match. Now, do you think, at this point, some, uh, I guess they would be, what, uh, three, seven... Six months before Mania 10, do you think Vince already has it booked out that it's going to be Sean and Razor at WrestleMania? Um, I'm not sure because with the suspension or whatever, the firing, you know, I'm not sure if all that stuff just went away or even he thought that far. I know he wanted to go babyface with with Razor, right? So, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard. To, that's hard. I mean, back in the old days, Vince would book backwards, right? So, mm-hmm. but I don't know if things were kind of changing up then because, you know, I don't think, I think he also thought, you know, it was going to be Luger and Yokozuna at WrestleMania 10 too. <laughs> it was, but it wasn't the, he wasn't the, it was the big crowning match of, of Lex Luger that he thought it was going to be originally. So, I think at this time, it's not like, you know, 88, 87, 88, 89, all that stuff where Vince is booking backward. I think it's a little more reactive to things, especially you have all the steroid stuff coming up. So, he, he you know, I think, I think it's a little more reactive than it is as planning ahead. 
Okay, so uh, so Razor wins. He's the Intercontinental Champion. Sean is coming back, uh, as as we knew, but in, in the Observer, um, Meltzer pretty much said that uh, you know they they sort of agreed that Sean was going to make a comeback, so he'll be coming back at some point in the near future. <laughs> um, but Ra- Razor. This is this is a time when winning the Intercontinental Championship did mean something, and he got something out of winning this championship. He feels like he's a guy. Yeah, it was. I mean, from just hearing Howard Finkel saying, you know, this contest is for you know, he with his with his his awesome voice, like it felt important. And even the 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 celebration. I mean, at the end, like that moment where Razor kind of like looks at the belt on his waist and kind of gives like this this ultra cool like oh shit i just did that right now right like i thought this whole this match was so good um just technically was good um the story was good i mean i love matches it's so funny because i just watched martell and stan hansen from you know the night of champions where it was hansen's just 100 percent focused on martell's back and this is like the same thing. Like Martel is like focused on like if you have your finisher and it's a freaking Boston Crab, you want to wear the guy down, right? And Bobby Heen is doing a great job telling this story too. Like he's telling what he's you know what's going on, and you know, Bobby's so good he can be so funny and witty, but he can also help that story of the match so well. And then because you know Macho's not going to do it, you know Macho's more just doing macho man things ma- ma- macho was really bad on this yeah, show yeah yeah so he even knows you know he has to carry it on the heel side and be funny and but he also knows like he needs to get this match over and i thought they did a great job but it, it was really this match is really good i remember like really liking this match like i said i had this i remember this match in almost in great detail like even like i said even the cell of how Rick Martel took that uh, Razor's Edge where his leg is over the other leg. It looked like his body just got destroyed. I remember when I, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God, he just killed Rick Martel. And by the way, like, I went to a house show soon after this, I think like later in the month, and they redid the exact same match. Oh, really? Like, I remember sitting there, I had, like, fifth row or something like that, and 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 – they, this was one of the matches, and it, it, like I remember, like I just like feel like I just watched this match, and I was like, "Well, this was like really, it like wow, they just did the same exact match it did on Raw." So, the next match is the Head Shrinkers in another squash mm-hmm. against Tommy Morrison, who was not Tommy the Duke Morrison. Bobby Heenan did ask if that was the same guy, <laughs> and I didn't get the second guy's name, Sid something or other. But yeah, uh, yes. they they didn't didn't really give his name, and Vince mentioned him, but Vince kind of muffled the, his last name. Still doing the knockout of the jobber too, right? Yeah, that that was the thing I was gonna say, which is the last match that they had. I thought that they knocked him out again, but you were like, nope, this is just an angle, and you know they're gonna keep doing this, and they did it again. They they knock out the guy in the ring first, and they force him to tag the other guy, and then they beat that guy, and 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 they win the match. They they're the best jobber tag team you know the, the going like the steiners would would kill guys too but i think i think this is more menacing yeah yeah the, 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 i always liked head shrinkers and i love the even before that simone swat scene <laughs> in the nwa i thought they were fun to watch and I, you know they had that double like face buster and i'm like that's such a good finish why don't they just use that instead of like saving save rikishi's or it's rikishi fatu's uh knees until you know 
for later on because that that I mean even though that big splash is awesome, I would definitely save it and do it here and there. Okay, so we already mentioned that Steiners, there's something going on with their, uh, you know, maybe it's a drug thing, maybe it's a steroid <laughs> test or whatever. But to me, and I don't even remember if this happens, but even though they just did this match at WrestleMania 9, I feel like the best possible match here is Steiner's head shrinkers. Like, do they, I don't remember, do they go back? to that because maybe on that how- feels that feels like the hottest thing that they could possibly maybe do. on house shows i just remember like right when the signers lost the tag titles that was like it for them like they've been they were cooled off from then they never really got it back mm-hmm. all right so the next match is uh owen hart versus scott king and and heenan says that Scott King's real name is actually Scott Kowalski, <laughs> but because Jerry the King Lawler is so hot, everyone wants to be like Jerry the King, so he changed his name to get Jerry the King, which then created a conversation about Killer Kowalski, which uh, Vince would would never have people bring up these days. You know, the older wrestlers, but uh, Owen wins with the uh, drop kick from the top rope, and then. Um, the suplex, uh, what, are they, what do you call Normal it? Suplex. The Northern Lights suplex. Uh, and, and this is pre... Oh, because Owen's going to turn soon, right? Like, he's he's soon to to be... They're, they're going to start teasing that that he'll turn with him and Brett pretty soon. So he's still kind of like cheesy, white, white meat baby face, kind of just putting him on TV because the fans like him. And, you know, they, he, just had, he just had to, you know, just had a match, won a match, nice some nice moves and carry on. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is just a feature of him, and they obviously have some plans for him coming up in a, in a you know, I mean, the T starts in Survivor Series and leads into the turn in, you know, Royal Rumble 94. So, you know, this is just get him on TV, give him a win, and get people see him as beyond just being Brett's brother and beyond that high-energy tag team. And and Brett is not around at this point. Like, he hasn't he hasn't been around for a little while, so nice little shine for Owen here. Uh, Ludwig Borga does an interview with Vince. He says that USA stands for you stink a lot. <laughs> Love Vince. It. Vince is so anti uh, Ludwig and so pro USA. Lex comes out to confront Ludwig and Vince is like cheering. He's so excited that Lex is coming out. Lex uses that same love it or leave it line, which is lame now, and it was lame then. Um, and, uh, you know, they're setting up something with them. And the funny thing is, like, uh, at this point in in time, Lex is, you know, Le- Lex has been in some pain with a back injury, but he takes off his shirt, and I'm like, how does that dude have a back injury and still look like that? <laughs> oh, my God. Balco. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually thought this was good. I thought... Ludwig's such a he's a really underrated character like the way his presence and well i mean from what from what uh mark smack told us he wasn't he he wasn't really playing a character i know i'm just saying like (laughs) you know i i think he's 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 he does really good the camera and he looks like someone and i thought luger's promo was fiery and good and you know anyone that kind of says like luger's not a strong promo they kind of gotta kind of go back and watch 93 raws because you know, he, had, he cut a great one of Yokozuna, their contract signing, and, you know, he, he he's definitely 
sound it, I liked it. I thought that was good. I loved how the, I loved just the heel walking out of a challenge and mm-hmm. and the way he did it too was just like so just the way just the way he walked out so calmly just really burned you just a little bit more like what an asshole, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to see Luger get kicked this guy's ass and it's unfortunate he, you know, who knows whatever happened with him and hurt his ankle and all the other drama whatever happened, but it's it's just unfortunate because I think they they had something here. Maybe maybe if they would have continued this program and it would have been the best matches. Let's be honest, you know, Tony Hamm, Halme, or it was never the best wrestler in the world. But I think like, you know, I think they could have been the, the hot enough to where Luger's name could have been out there a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit more. Maybe hotter going into the story of him trying to win the Rumble and, but you know, but unfortunately, just he cooled off and people always loved Brett and Brett got the spot. All right, uh, Adam Bomb against Ross Greenberg. I think the uh, the only thing here is that uh, Whippleman is the manager. No, is it Whippleman? Yep, Who's Harvey, the manager? Harvey yeah, Harvey Whippleman's from Johnny Polo. So he is now the manager. Adam Bomb, power bomb, finisher, and he is being built up slowly to uh to, to 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 be something here yeah slowly for nothing though <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of been his career right like wrath remember wrath had a run in wcw on a win streak building up the goldberg and nash beats him <laughs> so they do something pretty interesting which is they go to the desk and it's macho and vince and heenan and they basically say that uh macho and crush are gonna have a conversation and it's going to be, uh, I, don't, I don't know what, what, what they would call it, a, a, a verbal summit. debate, a summit. That's what they call it. You're right. So Macho's like, look, man, like we're both grown men. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk it out. Everything's going to be good. And if you saw the, if you see the opening from uh, for next week's show, <clears throat> the way that Vince presents this is like, the Russians versus the U.S. have a like <laughs> in the '60s. Sit down and have a like it. Like it's you can you know with, with Vince with so much bravado is is building this up to be something not what Macho says, which is two grown men having a nice conversation. So the the last match on the show, the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> they are on Raw as the uh, Smoky Mountain champions, the tag team champions. And what I realized is, okay, 1993, in 2019, so I just, this just happened in in May, I literally saw these dudes in in the uh, catering in Eaton for uh, for Starcade, and I'm just like, man, like they were a little bit over the hill for their, you know, for, for their prime in 1993, and now in 2019, they're still having matches and they just had... Uh, some matches for uh, for New Japan's tour on the East Coast. Like, holy cow, these guys are the ultimate workers of all workers. And they're wrestling October twenty fifth. They're all for wrestling Daily City. Get your tickets now. Oh uh, yeah, are they uh, are they going up against uh, Reno Scum? Oh my god, that should be should be that should be a, a just a great match and crazy match. So, um, um, definitely definitely go check it out. Um, it's. Or was really weird to see them on WWF TV back then and even now, right? And they have a, you know, but I was like, I'm trying, I was more interested in the commentary of their match than anything. And like, you know, Vince did a good job and he, you know, put them over. And 
I mean, I was first when Bobby started talking about it, he's really put on a strong leg. They were the over the last ten years the best tag team in the South. <laughs> you know, <laughs> South Ter region, South Southern region, or something like that. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I'm trying, I was, at that first, I'm like, was he gonna let him say this? And uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. It's, it was just really weird seeing him on WWE TV and. Of course, they have a famous match of the Heavenly Bodies on WFTV. We'll be covering it, I'm sure, soon. Um, but yeah, it is a weird way to end the show. But the rule main event was, you know, of course, the opener, which I like that. I like having the main events in the opener sometimes because, like, it gives him the whole time, right? So that's all. That yeah, cool. it's it's a it's not a bad thing for them to change it up. Though I'm sure if they were really studying the ratings like they do now, I'm, I'm sure the the show probably. You know, they, they they did lose some viewers after that main event, though. But maybe the audience was different back then. Yeah. So, anyways, Rock and Roll Express beat Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy with the double drop kick finish off the. Uh, uh, no, just double drop kick. And um, there was one mention. <clears throat> Bobby's talking about Razor Ramon, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, I just got word Razor Ramon retired, and it is off of based off of when Michael Jordan retired from basketball yeah. for the first time." Yeah. There was some mentions of the 49ers, or uh, not the 49ers. They uh, took a shot. The San Francisco them. Giants. They took a shot at my team, man. I know. This was the same year where the Giants won, I think it was 103 games, yep. and they were still one game behind the Braves, and they did not make up. the playoffs. You know what, though? I was a little upset they took some shots at my team, but I was like, you know what? Those three World Series just uh, yeah. feel yeah. so good. Suck that one, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so in the Observer... Uh, Dave mentions that the upcoming Survivor Series sells out in 90 minutes and is the fastest arena sellout in North American history. The reason why they were able to sell out so quickly is because they did a pre-sale. You know, we do pre-sales now where you, you know, you get in a day early and you got the special credit card that you get to to get to buy these pre-sales. No. In 1993, the pre-sales came through. The WWE magazine. <laughs> wow. 8,000 people purchased pre-sale tickets through the magazine. Those Amazing. poor people did not know they're going to get that doink. <laughs> doink dash. Um, okay, so uh, also around this time, Bret Hart did an interview talking about how WWE, they do all this drug testing. Guys can barely take caffeine. In WWE, and yet in WCW, all those guys are jacked, taking steroids. And then he starts talking about Ric Flair. What could you possibly see in Ric Flair? I mean this. This is the truth. Ric Flair was the most overrated wrestler there ever was. If you've seen Ric Flair wrestle one time, you've seen him wrestle a million times. He's the most uncreative, unimaginative wrestler there ever was. He was the pits. You're wrong. You don't know anything about wrestling if you think Ric Flair is a great wrestler. Wrestling Ric Flair was the biggest letdown of my entire career. I've wrestled all kinds of wrestlers everywhere. And I thought when I stepped into the ring to wrestle Ric Flair that I was going to be wrestling a legend, like one of the greatest of all time. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd rate Ric Flair as about a 3. He sucks. I'd even say Jerry Lawler, quite conceivably, has at least a little more imagination than Ric Flair. Kind of a shot at Jerry Lawler, by the way. Ric Flair, I don't hate him or anything. I hear that all the time. Rick is the greatest. Rick is the greatest. I don't know how anyone could even 
begin to think he was good. If you've seen Ric Flair wrestle one time, you've seen Ric Flair's whole show. You can say that about Bret Hart, though. <laughs> Bret was on fire. Yeah, he was on fire. I, I do remember this. I remember this. I remember it was so controversial that even even the after mags had coverage of this, what uh-huh. Bret said. And that's when I first heard it heard the what he said and i was like how could he say that about rick flair for is awesome and he is awesome and so is bret hart so yep. stop pissing stop having a pissing contest boys and they end up having a great match that sold out in wcw <laughs> it's all really bret really did that was of any importance but in wcw but uh i don't know he was just I don't know, he's he's fired up about it yeah i mean bret as good as bret was no one was ever gonna say that he was better than rick flair and i think that's what that was yeah yeah so at this point also, Jerry Jarrett comes in. He's there at the three tapings that they do. My friend. Jerry Jarrett, who I've interviewed with Big Dave two I know, times, I and who you had a special MySpace relationship with. Well, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. that kind of special. But. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 no. I love I love Jerry Jarrett. He's a carny, but I love him. All right, our boy Tatanka, undefeated, loses his first match to Ludwig Borga mm-hmm. at the... September twenty eighth, Superstars tapings. I remember this. That's why. I, I, that's why I remember he, he got beat by Louvre. I remember that was a that was a at the time a big deal. Lastly, Medusa offered a Titan start date of eleven eight, hmm. but hasn't officially accepted it. Alundra when Blaze. does she come in? I want to. S- well, she's at ninety four WrestleMania, right? Does she wrestle Paul Nakano or something? Yeah, yeah. So I want to say this. Well, no, maybe it was it. It was November because they had the tournament. I think she won the title in December, if I remember correctly. Have we had a women's match on Raw yet? No, but we'll definitely get it. I know they have because the Japanese girls too wrestle in um at Survivor Series. I believe is this the show they do that? Oh. I am not looking ahead. I want to be surprised. Yeah, even I'm though just... even though I've seen it, it's been twenty. Six years no, or whatever. If, so. I don't know if the Japanese girls on this one. Maybe it's, maybe it's the next year, but uh, yeah, because yeah, it was the it was ninety four because it was like the tail end of the women, and, and all of a sudden they were gone. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think she does come in, and she, you know, they bring in like Heidi Lee Morgan and maybe Debbie Combs or something like that, and mm-hmm. you know, they have like a little tournament. And she wins it, and then Bull comes in. I think Bull wins it from her. Is it SummerSlam or something like that? or I, I, Something like that. She wrestled at WrestleMania 10, correct? Or am I wrong? I think that is right, but, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not looking forward. Just in case we we watch Raw 94, too. No, we're not watching Raw 94. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want to, but I don't know if I can do more than an hour show. <laughs> the, the, this oh, is... <laughs> you're talking about what we're thinking about watching next? Yeah, next year. Yeah, I know. Well, I think we were talking about it when before it was AEW, the NXT, Monday Night War. Now we're like, oh, oh my man. god, I know yeah. another an, an extra hour. I don't know if we can do it, but it could um, be good. Could be good. maybe, maybe we'll be doing three hour shows just like WWE. Oh my god. Um, okay, that's it for this week. Um, like I said at the beginning of this, you know, we will, we possibly will have some interesting news upcoming in the next couple of weeks. But uh, for those who have been here from the beginning, which were probably very few, episode one, to those who have just started listening, 
you know, thank you to everybody. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to do a little bit more with this show. I know that John and I have kind of thought about having a few more guests here and there, you know, digging into the the Rolo- the, the uh, iPhone Rolodex to, to find some folks to, to chit chat with who may be interesting. So, you know, we'll be we'll be doing stuff. Uh, but like I said, it, it may not happen in the near, near future. But in a few weeks, we may have some news about uh, about the future of what we're going to do. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I enjoy doing this. So we'll, we're going to keep doing this for, you know, for as long as as long as uh, we feel like it. And to me, like, I don't I, I don't see us stopping anytime soon. So I'm, I'm enjoying this still, even after 100 episodes. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, we have a big, big, over the top episode, but hey, it's episode one hundred, right? We gotta. It's gonna be big and bad, right? <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So, uh, so next week, I'm sure we will talk about the WWE draft, what the rosters are gonna look like. We'll have week three of the Wednesday Night Wars. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, Michelle Watterson and and Joanna Jerjechik <laughs> who may be fighting this weekend we're not sure i think they're going to try to do a catchweight fight i could not believe it. they said in one possibility Joanna versus Angela Hill in the main event i'm like oh god angela hill i mean a great girl but like holy shit i, I mean angela hill who's most famous for being on the ultimate fighter known as the girl who farts a lot that was her claim to fame on that And she's show. basically, what, a 500 fighter, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. She's pretty good at social media, though. Yeah. We'll give her that. All right. So uh, we will see you next week. For John, I am Double G. We'll see you when, you, when we see you. Peace out.